Welcome everyone back to our Clarity Podcast where we're seeking to get a clear picture of Jesus together as a church throughout this year. My name is Finley. And I'm Garland. Welcome, welcome. It is good to have you guys and it's good to have you listening with us today as that's actually what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be uh, considering the idea of Scripture and the way that we oftentimes approach it and the possibility that we actually are missing out on a significant opportunity to gain something from Scripture just by adapting a couple of small practices into our life. And so that's kind of the idea that we're going to chase for a few minutes today. And when you think about the Scriptures, oftentimes the way that we approach them is very individualistic. We get our coffee in our place, we go to our specific spot, we open up to our reading plan, and we sit there in oftentimes a private, quiet manner, and we work through the scriptures in that way. Or we gather together and we have the Bible taught to us kind of in a public proclamation way, um, but it's very specific. And so, uh, Garland, we're actually talking about something that has been a historical part of the Christian faith. Uh, a lot of times the, the scriptures themselves were designed or meant to be approached in a certain way, and we oftentimes miss that when it comes to our, our practices of engaging the scriptures. And so uh, I just want to kind of ask you, give us some historical framework and, and uh, the possibility that we may be able to uh, add some new ways to engage the scriptures in our life. Yeah, just and just just thinking about this topic, um, we, we don't want to downplay. It's important that we study the scriptures and pray, and we we live in a time in in the world where we a lot of us can we have paper copies of the Bible. A lot of us have multiple in our house. Uh, a lot of us, I mean, most all of us, can get the Bible on our phone anytime. We can get it in different languages, and that's really awesome. And we should thank the Lord for that. Um, however, when it, when we think about how we do how we interact with the Bible, how we how we do church most of the time. We get small sections of pieces of books of the Bible or letters read to us, uh, usually in just tiny, maybe more than a paragraph. We read that, and we then talk about that. And if you think about it, if I if I were to read a novel, or especially if I were to read a letter that somebody wrote a hundred years ago, and let's say it was a five or six page letter, I wouldn't pick. A, a random paragraph in that letter, read it, study it, and then never come back to the rest of the story. It would be like diving into pick your favorite long, like I always go to Star Wars, it's one of my favorites, you go to Lord of the Rings, pick your pick any of your long extended narratives that we have in movie form to dive into one scene of that movie and then almost never go and look at the rest of it, almost never go and watch the rest of the story. That would be just bizarre and by, by the simple fact that a lot of the Bible is confusing to us and a lot of the Bible seems uh, intimidating, we never go back and hear the Bible, how most people throughout history have heard the Bible, and especially how the original audience of the Bible would have experienced it, and that is having large sections. In fact, the, the New Testament was meant to be read out loud and heard in one sitting. And we almost never do that exercise. And so all we're doing here on this particular podcast is we want to encourage our people to take up this practice. I mean, it's really pretty simple. And we'll talk about uh, what it looks like and how here in a moment. Yeah. And when, when you think about to kind of use your idea of we, we have these scenes and you make it even smaller, we have our favorite movie quotes. And so if you think of some of your favorite 
movie characters that you've seen over the years and, and they have these kind of really kind of momentous moments. It's, it's great to have these kind of quotes and, and they kind of give you this charge as something kind of sits kind of in your mind, but you're, you're missing the context of the, the power of the quote. If you miss the, the, the gigantic arc of the, the person, the character that you're following. And so what we're trying to kind of make a plea for is a, a bigger, broader consideration for reading the scriptures and, and understanding them in a, in, a, in a broader context and not just the minute way and oftentimes that we kind of approach them. And, and it also, it also to take your illustration even further, it would be like reading the transcript of that movie quote without seeing the movie. Um, and so we, we miss that the, the scriptures were meant to be read aloud they're meant to be heard. And we see places all over the scripture. We'll see Moses do this. He'll stop with the people of Israel in Exodus, and they will stop and, and sing a song, write it down, and then retell their story. We'll see this with Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, as Moses has handed him this story of their history. We call it the Torah. And before they move, they sit down, and they will read the Torah out loud. We'll see them gathering when they go into the land and stopping to read the Torah, maybe my favorite place to see this practice played out, and then we'll talk about what it looks like in the New Testament. Well, one of my favorite places in the Old Testament is in the book of Nehemiah. And what seems to have taken place is the people of Israel have gone into exile to this place called Babylon. They've been they've been forced to leave their homeland. It's been this tragic event. And as they return to their homeland, they find that some of the some of the issues that have plagued them for generations are still plaguing them even to that day. And they they find that in they find the need to reaffirm their story, retell the story. What's the covenant of this God, Yahweh, with us? And what's our part in that story? And so what we have in the book of Nehemiah is Nehemiah is a leader of this people called Israel. They're back in their land, but they still have some of the same issues. And he gets this friend of his named Ezra. And for the context of this, this is in the mid-400s B.C., so about 400 years before Jesus, and 450 years before Jesus. And... Uh, he gets his friend Ezra, and what they do, this is in Nehemiah chapter 8. It says that Ezra, he's a, he's a teacher of the law, and what they want to do, the way they want to uh, teach and instruct the people and to remove some of these issues, they don't say, uh, let's all get our private Devo plans and we'll go get our cups of coffee and go to our individual houses and we'll come back once a week. No, look what it says. And this became a custom for the people of Israel. Uh, it, they, they, get, they gathered all the people of Israel together, and it says that Ezra was a teacher. He stood up. They build this high wooden platform. By the way, this becomes the model for what we now call a sermon. And they build this high wooden platform. It says in, in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 5, Ezra opened the book, and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, and I love this, all the people stood up. Imagine that in church. He's going to read all day long, and he will be up above them, and they all stand to receive it. Uh, that be that would be difficult for some of us to stand it that long. And it says, Ezra praised the praised Yahweh, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded. They bowed down and worshipped the Lord. It's an interactive experience. As as Ezra reads the the book of the law, by the way, that's the Torah. Uh, the, at Jewish festivals, they would every year have the Torah reread to them. It's a very intense, intentional practice of the people of Israel to have their story reaffirmed over and over in the, in, in the Passover narrative or the Passover event. What takes place is that became commemorated every year in Israel as they would reread the, the Exodus story in huge, large 
chunks. And when we turn to the New Testament, that's the very same mindset that the New Testament writers have. So let me give a good, for instance, Romans, this magnum opus letter that we love and has so much, yeah, has so much theology and it's got all this amazing explanation of what the gospel is, this 16 chapters. Oh my gosh, it's so dense. We study it. Romans was written by Paul in Corinth about 56 AD, and he wrote a letter. And he sent that letter through one of his trusted advisors, his trusted friends. Her name was Phoebe. And almost certainly Phoebe takes this letter to Rome and would have gathered some of these house churches together. And we think face mic, big room with lots of chairs. This would have been in the atriums of Roman houses out front. They gathered together and she would have, they would have sat down and she would have read Romans. What we know is Romans. She would have just read it as a letter, a letter from a pastor through his friends to his friends. And just that simple awareness drastically changes, I think, some of our expectations of it. And I am encouraging our people to adopt this practice. Yeah, I think when you when you come to reading the scriptures, we we need to really understand that being aware of the different kind of types of of writing, the different genres that are in scripture. much of the Old Testament is narrative. It is it is story. It is read. It is designed to be read as story. We have the the accounts of Jesus. Those are much of his teachings. Those are accounts of what he has done. The the letters that we have, all of these epistles, uh, we, we treat them as as um, documents to be studied rather than what they are, which is stories to be told stories and to be told. letters to be written. And I'm just I'm just sitting here thinking about this. My my kids are at the age where you know, they're in school and, you know, teachers are trying to get kids to, to read and to get kind of lost into great stories. And so uh, my daughter currently is listening to all of the Harry Potter books and she cannot listen to them fast enough. But there's something about them. I was talking with a friend, like just the ability to hear them read out loud. It's a different experience. It's a different experience. Yeah. You, you get to hear someone read it to you. It forces you to not think necessarily about every single word, but you get to react, you get to respond, you get to fill your mind with your own kind of creative thoughts when you're hearing stuff read out loud to you. And it's it's an entirely different type of experience. It's fun to kind of see that through the eyes of my kids and watch them kind of get engaged with it. And now imagine, take that same thought and imagine that happening with the story of the Exodus or the story of God rescuing the brokenness of humanity through this guy, Abraham. Imagine the Jacob story and all the mess of his life playing out as you're hearing it read out loud. Uh, the Bible's supposed to supposed to be captivating. We're supposed to get lost in the experience and experience the story. And uh, for me, like in, in the community group that that uh, Sarah, my wife and I lead, uh, we just we just tried this a couple years ago. We were studying James uh, here and uh, as a church and we, we as we were looking at James before we before we studied any of it, we got our group together, we were in our house, we got everybody comfortable and uh, I said this is how this would have been heard. The very first people didn't sit down to study James. Uh, This was written by James and sent out as a letter to friendly churches that he was pastoring. So let's hear it. And it took about 12, 15 minutes. uh, And I just sat down and read it. And we listened and I just went, what, what did you hear? What stood out? What was interesting? And what was so fascinating to me as a community group leader in that experience, we've done this with other books since then, or other letters. See, we uh, even our habit of calling them books, like it's a, this is a letter, uh, oftentimes. 
Uh, people in the group heard so many different things that they hadn't heard before or noticed before. Words jumped out that were repeated because they heard them. Emphases were clearer because you heard uh, how it was read. And so uh, let me encourage our church Uh, all of our congregations, all of our groups, to maybe, as we're studying the life of Jesus, to carve out time in your families, with your kids, in your community groups. You can can even do this over Zoom or Teams or whatever you're using as we're all kind of quarantined up right now because of the coronavirus. You can just open up a letter or open up a section of a gospel and read a long section of it and then just ask, what 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 did you hear? What stood out? What what was what was in your experience of hearing that story? Uh, what what was interesting to you? And just try it. And let's hear the Bible read aloud, as so many have uh, have throughout history. Yeah, it's a it's a different experience for us. And anytime you do something new, it's unfamiliar. It feels kind of clunky. It can be awkward. You can kind of look around with the people that you're sitting in a room with, or your family, or your your friends, and it it. It is very strange. You don't know how to respond. Can I interrupt? Like, how, how do I even go about this? I would just say, lean in. Just, just try it. Yeah. Just try it. Just just try something. Try something unique and try something different. And I think for us, there are a lot of different opportunities and experiences that we can uh, attempt to do this. But it is it is a practice that would be good for us as families, as members of a community group. And I I think about the fact that when we are oftentimes kind of prepping to teach as a team, one of the practices that we have adopted here is we read each passage out loud. And you get a you get a feel for some of the key ideas. Some things really jump out to you when you hear it said out loud. It's different than when you just read it. And right. you have these opportunities to kind of go, this is the the main emphasis or this is kind of the flow of this story. And you kind of go, oh, this is how long this story lasts. And so we even use this as we kind of prepare to teach as a team here Mm -hmm. as a pastoral staff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Try it. That's that's all we're saying. Try it. It's worth a shot. uh, Try Old Testament, New Testament, uh, letters, large sections of books. Um, It would only take about 10 minutes to hear the Sermon on the Mount read out loud. So try it. And uh, we just want to encourage this practice in our church as we're trying to get a clear picture of Jesus this year. Thanks, Garland. Appreciate everyone listening with us today. We hope that you will take us up on this really cool opportunity as we uh, desire to go closer to Jesus throughout our season of clarity.